Good morning. Let's get straight to markets. Take a look at the impact for the indices. Factual. Succinct. All you need to know before your trading day starts. Subscribe to our newsletter, CNBC's Daily Open. It was January 2018. Cryptocurrency markets were coming off their record levels, but euphoria was still high. Initial coin offerings, or ICOs, were popping up all over the place. And so were the scammers. Uh, what happened next was uh, sort of a fiasco. But this, this was the, the first solid evidence that, that this, this was the scam from the day one. One scam ICO was called Giza. Over a thousand investors poured more than $2 million into the project, which promised to deliver a super secure device that would allow people to store cryptocurrencies. CNBC uncovered the scam in March. Investors who spoke to CNBC all discovered a common experience with the ICO in question. They thought the project was legitimate until warning signs began to appear, including a falling out with the company's sole supplier, a lack of correspondence from its supposed founders, and failed attempts to recoup the lost funds. The apparently well-orchestrated scam centers around a mysterious individual called Marco Fike, the COO of Giza. The problem was, nobody had ever seen Marco Fike's face. And the effects of this scam are still being felt today. It's sort of left me with burnt fingers. Uh, and there are a lot of people who, who feel like that. Beyond the Valley. Hello and welcome to another episode of CNBC's Beyond the Valley. I'm Arjun Karpal in London. And I'm Saheli Rajodhri in Singapore. Today we are talking about initial coin offerings. It's a term you may have heard knocked about in the crypto world. It is a type of crowdfunding done using cryptocurrencies. In an ICO, companies solicit funds for a new app or a service or other types of projects built on the blockchain. In exchange, investors get a new cryptocurrency specific to the project. The bet investors are making is that the digital currency they receive will perform well in the future and give them big returns. Through ICOs, companies have raised billions of dollars in funds to date. That has disrupted traditional forms of fundraising. The problem here is that none of this is regulated and that leaves it open to scammers. And there have been loads of instances of scams. It's risky business. In the case of Giza, they raised a bunch of money. Everything looked legitimate. The website, the people behind it. They had even signed up a partner called ThirdPin to make the cryptocurrency storage device that was the heart of their project. ThirdPin is a hardware maker based in St. Petersburg, Russia. But investors started to notice issues when ThirdPin came out publicly and said that they had not been paid by Giza. I called up with Chris, an investor in the project based in the UK, and asked when he started to see red flags. Um, it started getting towards the end of the investment stage, and um, we wanted to hear from the, the owner or the founder um, to see where he was headed, because there was some news that had broke online to, um, to, the, to the sounds of the, um, the company that was going to build the actual hardware wallet. Um, they came out and said, uh, we, we've broken ties with this company and we're not going to do the hardware wallet anymore. Um, and at that stage, sort of the investment community involved in the Giza project, um, they, they all jumped onto Telegram and, and online networks and social media to ask the founder and, and the team to, to release a statement and to, to see if, if they had gone down the route of finding somewhere else. Um, a different company to implement the project or, or if it was ending up to be a scam. Uh, what happened next was uh, sort of a fiasco because the the team involved in that um, project 
they kept saying, yeah, oh, um, our founder will release a statement next week or, um, and then next week could come and say, no, our founder's very busy, uh, but don't worry, a, a statement's been released, please don't disturb us, we're, we're working on it 24-7 and uh, we have found another company, we're going to sign with them, just please sit still, uh, we'd rather focus our attention on implementing the project instead of coming out with um, releases and and um, and so on. So um, it, it was worrying at that point. Um, I mean, we, uh, we we kept saying, I mean, a five-minute statement from someone would not hurt. So um, it's it's not going to scamper any uh, any deadlines or anything like that. But um, it, 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 we never got any of that. We have contacted Third Pin for comment, and they said they have not had any more interaction with the people behind the Giza project. When investors started digging, they realized they didn't really know the people behind the project. Arjun, you mentioned at the start of the podcast about a figure called Marco Feik. He was listed as the COO of Giza on the website. He had a legitimate profile on LinkedIn, even listing Microsoft as a previous employer. But none of it was true, of course. Even the picture he used was stolen from another person's Instagram profile. Mato Samha is another investor based in the US. He did some digging into Fike's online persona and saw things weren't as they seemed. We found finally the fake profile. I mean, the, I'm sorry, original profile, I think Instagram profile from the guy in Dubai, where this uh, COO, Marco Fike, he stole all the all, all his profile pictures from this profile. Uh, so this this was the, the first solid evidence that, that this this was a scam from the day one, from beginning. This was not that something that happened, you know, down the road the guy decided to like take off with money. This was planned, like planned scam from the day one. Because you posted the, 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 your CEO, whatever CEO, pictures like of your company, your pictures like fake from the beginning. It's like so that's that's right there. We found we found the source. We found a, like a first solid evidence that was in the same time when you were publishing your story. When I was investigating this story, I started to look at who registered the company. It was registered with Companies House in the UK, which is where all businesses in the country are recorded. It was incorporated on December 14, 2017, under the name Giza Device Limited, just before the ICO took place. The company was eventually dissolved on November 6, 2018. A person called Elena Paulette Lafortune was put down as the company's director, and the filing said they were based in the Seychelles. When I look further into this, this person was also listed as a director for numerous other companies, all of which were registered at the same address in London. I visited the address in March 2018, but none of the people in that building there had ever seen or heard of Elena Paulette Lafortune. The effects of the Giza scam are still being felt today. People have put large sums into this ICO, but still have not recouped their losses. Law enforcement is involved in both the US and UK, but no progress has been made. I asked Chris whether he thought that that was because they don't understand ICOs, or whether it's because it's unregulated and the authorities don't care as much. I think it's a mix of both, um, and also to do with resourcing as well. Um, uh, I mean... You, you hear about people, I mean, these, some of these departments figuring out various um, online scams in other avenues, for example, selling fake cars and so on. I mean, if, if they really wanted to, like I say, they've got the equipment and I'm sure they'll have the knowledge 
um, within the department to, to sort of drill down and investigate that. But, um, I mean, it is something new, and, and I'm sure they don't have the resources to do it. And, and uh, I'm not sure. I, it's sort of a difficult question and really frustrates a lot of us as to why they just put it on hold. I mean, uh, I would have expected, for, like I said, for the amount involved in, in this scam, I would have expected them to put in a lot more hours and, and investigation, especially because we didn't just say, oh, we've been scammed. I mean, we put together a lot of information, screenshots, ideas, comments, um, logs, uh, you, you name it. I mean, we, we gave them a lot, and we would have expected many of these authorities to really um, crack on with it. So it's, it's, it's up in the air why exactly they haven't. Have you changed your approach to investing in ICOs? Are you still investing in ICOs? Or, or have you seen that actually it's it's a too risky an area just given the fact that there is a lack of regulation around this and the, the potential for scams is very high? Yes, I've, I've sort of backed, backed down a bit. Um, it's, it's, it's sort of left me with burnt fingers. Uh, and there are a lot of people who, who feel like that. Um, initially, we everyone thought, "Wow, these are excellent projects, excellent plans, excellent investment opportunities." But then it just turned out to be what it what it did turn out to be. And um, I think I think you do need some sort of regulation in 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 this industry, and uh, it needs to um, it needs to come from somewhere. And it, and and uh, I mean, I'm not saying fully regulated, but there needs to be some sort of Regulation. It's, if this happened in nowadays, should I say, if I invested in a, in a, in a normal company, let's say, um, these things wouldn't happen. And the story is not isolated. There have been many instances where investors were duped by scammers who ran off with the money. In recent memory, a Vietnamese company called Modern Tech launched an ICO where they raised $660 million approximately from about 32,000 people, promising lucrative rewards to investors. Then, one day, the team vanished. There are hundreds of cryptocurrencies that are now dead, meaning they have no value. Some of those were scams and others were just failed projects. Many investors would welcome protection in the form of regulation, and some countries are moving to bring in guidance and regulation around ICOs. But there are still huge risks. Many people, however, still believe ICOs have a future. ICOs are probably here to stay. So, I caught up with a lawyer and asked him about his opinion on some of the red flags people should look out for before participating in an initial coin offering. Here's what Jonathan Horn, a capital markets partner at Linklaters, had to say. Yep, sure, I think there's a, there's a few important things to, to look out for. Um, and it's important to take a step back. You know, this is in the very, very early days of this market. So there is um, not nearly enough uh, market practice or established market practice um, for, for investors to take much comfort over. Any investment in this space should be considered high risk, uh, but that's not to say that there's, there's not risks worth taking. I think that's um, a few key red flags which I think are worth highlighting. One is around the description of the project. So a lot of ICOs will use white papers and that you can think of that as an equivalent to a prospectus or an offering circular for a traditional product. The white papers vary significantly in content, detail uh, and quality. So I think the first thing I'd be looking out for is a well-written, clear white paper, which describes the project very clearly. So I think that would be one of the first key points. The second one is, is looking at team. So who are the backers behind this idea? I think because these often these startups are, are very new, they don't have a long history of operation, possibly they don't have any operations, and this is all about 
prospective funding for growth, um, you need to be confident about the individuals behind the project. So I think that's the second thing which is very important. The other one, and it's tied to that, is how active they are on social media and on the web. So I think you, apart from the white paper, investors should look at who the individuals are and what kind of footprint they have. Telegram is a really good example, which is being used by a lot of uh, ICO issuers to build a community around their project. So that's one of the first things I'd be checking to see is uh, if, these, if the particular issuer has actually got a, a following, a social media following. A good example is uh, in Singapore, Zilliqa, uh, their Telegram following now is around 30,000 individuals. So that's a community of um, investors, but also designers um, who are supporting that project. It shows it's a good sign that it has uh, a decent following. The fourth one comes down to the basics. What is the idea? Not everything is, is relevant for blockchain. And so think about what is the idea? Does it make sense? Is there a real reason why this project is being you know, somehow supported or based off blockchain? Um, if it doesn't sound like it's a good idea, it's probably not a good idea. Can ICOs be sound investments in the same way that your securities are, your bonds and all of your other um, asset classes? I think they can be. I'm not sure they are yet. I think uh, over time, it will absolutely just become another asset class. And I think we're already seeing that those developments. Um, but right now, as I said at the start, these are high risk investments and anyone investing in this space should appreciate that they are high risk and there is a, you know, a good chance of losing, losing capital, possibly losing all of your capital. Um, so I think they are a, a legitimate form of investment but I wouldn't be, you know, I think sound investment assumes that they are in some way uh, a safe investment. And I'm not sure you know, that's necessarily the right categorization. So to sum up what Jonathan said, and this is said in conventional uh, wisdom around investing as well, is that you should never overinvest in a particular asset, especially not one that is as new and as volatile as crypto. Prices of cryptocurrencies have been fluctuating a lot in recent months, and it's, it's just something that a lot of people, a lot of experts have been saying that investors, especially if you're getting into crypto for the first time, you should really exercise a lot of caution before participating in an ICO. Now, there could certainly be a future to ICOs. And I just want to lay out the two sides, I guess, advocates of blockchain technology are saying that real companies are now beginning to be built based on blockchain technologies and ICOs are a legitimate uh, and effective way for these companies to raise funds and operate their business. The skeptics, of course, are still not convinced that many of these digital tokens that are created as a result of the ICO have a place in the world. I think what we're going to see uh, as this industry moves forward is the regulators take a lot more of a closer eye on what's going on. And you might perhaps see some, some new regulation come in into major markets where ICOs are taking place. Indeed. And I want to ask our listeners, have you invested in an ICO? We want to hear about your experience. What kind of research did you do? Were, did the ICO project live up to the kind of what you were expecting? Tell us Tell us on Twitter. I'm at Saheli RC. And I'm at Arjun Karpal. That's it for another episode of CNBC's Beyond the Valley. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time. Beyond the Valley.